Most of us are terrified by our anger or only know reactive anger. What does it look like to meet and greet conflict and pain with anger that is honored, expressive? In other words, what does mature anger really look like? Hi, I'm Jasmine Russell, and this is Depth Work, a holistic mental health podcast. This is a space for those who love to dive into the underbelly, to revel in the mystery, question assumptions about what's normal, play in the both and, and honor the wide range of human emotion. As a complex trauma survivor, holistic counselor, and co-founder of a mental health training institute, I've learned that there is immense wisdom in our pain, and that what we call crazy is just what we are not yet willing to understand and explore. I'm so glad that you're here, so let's dive in. Now, I want to start by saying I'm recording this episode because these are questions I have for myself. This is an ongoing journey for me. I don't have all of the answers here, like with anything that I talk about on this podcast. I can only share with you some of my stories and my evolving journey with anger that I'm sure will continue to evolve as time goes on. I want to specifically talk about the physical sensation of anger, the ways that we often dishonor our anger, and what it means to actively be with, feel, express, and honor our anger. So I believed for about 21, 22 maybe years of my life that I just was someone who didn't often get angry. I really believed that. I truly, in my heart of hearts, thought that I, quote unquote, was just not an angry person because I showed up to every situation um, with what I thought for a long time was compassion and empathy, but at the bottom of it was actually fear. Whenever someone met me with anger, I became terrified and had a freeze response because anger is something that I experienced a lot from people in my childhood, people that had very reactive anger. And it put me in such a state of overwhelm that I didn't know what to do with it. And this lasted well into my adulthood. I believed for a long time that those who openly expressed anger were belligerent, immature, or just downright terrifying. In my household growing up, anger was definitely expressed openly, but not by the children, not by the young people, because if it was ever expressed back to adults, there would be an immense amount of punishment. And this is also a reflection in our broader society, in American culture in particular, in whiteness culture, where anger is seen as something that is immature or belligerent, especially when it's coming from people that are not in power, right? And what winds up happening is that there becomes an immense amount of invisibilized anger that seeps through the cracks and creates toxicity everywhere in the form of passive aggressivity. And these are just some of the ways that we can get messages about anger. Whether you were taught to believe that anger is bad or not acceptable, 
or believed that anger has to be expressed in order to show power or control. In either case, anger is very often dishonored. And there are so many ways that we dishonor our anger. There are ways that we dishonor our anger by jumping to forgiveness or compassion too soon. We dishonor our anger by completely bypassing it and making things okay that are not okay or refusing to feel it. We bypass our anger by judging it, by becoming defensive when someone else reveals their anger towards us, by shoving it down, by using anger as an excuse to harm, manipulate, or control others, by calling anger a secondary emotion, right? How often have we heard that anger is a secondary emotion? It's something that's, you know, sitting on top of grief or shame or sadness or anxiety. And while that can sometimes be true, we often have multiple emotions that come up at once. Anger can also be just anger in its own right. We dishonor it by compartmentalizing it, saying, okay, I'm only allowed to experience my anger in kickboxing class or in breathwork or in therapy. We dishonor it by analyzing our anger instead of actively feeling it. We dishonor it through passive aggressivity, saying, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to express it openly, but I'm going to let you know in some other way, shape, or form that I'm angry with you. We dishonor our anger through blame and through not taking responsibility for our anger. Most of us just really don't have any great adult, mature models for how to express our anger. So much of this happens in really subtle ways and also can have really huge implications somatically and on our physical bodies. This can show up as the classic nervous system responses of fight, flight, freeze, or appease, right? When something makes us angry, we can want to actively go into fight mode, which can can, doesn't always, but can lead to reactive anger or anger that can harm another person. We can go into flight mode, just try to escape as quickly as possible, whether that means escaping our anger or escaping the situation. Freeze mode, where we are like deer in the headlights, have no idea what to do with it, and it just kind of gets stuck somewhere. Or a piece where, you know, whatever the situation is, we go into trying to make the other person feel better or okay so that we can then feel better or okay. But from these initial nervous system responses, when we're experiencing anger, it can also have long-term impacts the anger that gets repressed or shoved down. I gave this example in the episode on childhood sexual abuse, but I'll give it here again around my hiatal hernia. I really realized over time that a lot of the issues that were particularly centering around my stomach, my digestive issues, while there's a lot there and it's a lot more complicated than just this, I began to realize that a lot of my digestion issues or stomach issues would get 
way worse. When I was shoving something down, when I was shoving my emotions down, wasn't actively letting myself digest them or process them. And for me, anger was the particular emotion that I felt in that part of my body. Eventually, leading to me having a hiatal hernia, which is where my stomach pokes up through my diaphragm where it shouldn't be and into where my esophagus would be. So it's almost like this big, uh, you know, bulge of unexpressed rage that was asking me to be willing to use my voice, use my throat, use my sense of expression to heal it, to process it. That's just one example, but there are so many ways that anger can be stored in the body. Paying attention to where and how you feel your anger is a super important part of this process. So here's some of the stages that I went through with honoring and acknowledging anger. And again, I'm not done here. Most of us aren't done here with this learning, but this is an evolving process. So first, when I believed that I was just not an angry person. I had an experience when I was about 19 years old visiting my uncle in Germany. He is quite a character, love him to death. And he just knows how to pick at and rile people up like a good old German man. And he was talking to me one day about something that was particularly distressing for me. We were talking about an aspect of my history or my wounding around something. And he was telling me that I just needed to get over it. I just needed to put it out of my mind. And I didn't experience it uh, consciously at the time, but I really started to experience rage, mostly because anytime I tried to get uh, a word in, tried to explain or defend myself, or respond to something he was saying, he would cut me off immediately with something else that he wanted to get across. And this happened three or four times as I opened my mouth and and couldn't say it. Opened my mouth and didn't have the space to say it. Opened my mouth and he would say something else. And something about that moment of someone consistently, repeatedly cutting me off, something came over me. The rage could not be trapped any longer that we were sitting at the dining room table. And I'm smiling as I describe this because it really, I mean, was quite a a movie moment that looking back is hilarious. I picked up a butter knife and, and almost jammed it into the table with rage. And I didn't. I held the butter knife looked at my clenched fist and realized what was happening, realized my anger and my rage, burst into tears and ran into the other room. And that was the first moment, I think, really in my life at that point that I had ever actively witnessed my own anger because it wasn't as if I didn't experience it. I just never allowed myself to express it. And that's when the narrative that I had, that I'm just not an angry person, completely disintegrated. And I realized that I had to start to deal with my anger. 
From there, flash forward to many years later, through many circumstances of realizing that conflict at large is going to be a part of life. That attempting to please people or to avoid conflict or to avoid confrontation was a way of not taking responsibility for my feelings or my emotions. This really showed up when I started my nonprofit and, you know, had so many different people in the room with their own opinions, their own things. And conflict, especially in activism spaces, is absolutely inevitable and not a bad thing. It's actually a sign of a healthy community that feels like they can express their opinions, their needs, and their desires. And so going through this process, realizing that conflict can be healthy and having to confront my own, uh, you know, again, going back to the nervous system strategies, my strategy to appease people in order to avoid the discomfort of my own anger, I had to really confront that. And because of the line of work that I do, because I'm in this space of mental health and healing, and a lot of this is about personal development as well, I can't even tell you how many books I've read about conflict resolution and about nonviolent communication strategies. I mean, I could list them all, but I'm not going to here because eventually (laughs) I learned that even those tools can be a way of avoiding your true feelings around anger. Now, I don't think we should throw all of those tools in the trash. I think tools that we can have to express ourselves in a way that uh, doesn't, you know, put someone on the defensive, doesn't attack their personality, tools that you can use to create a little bit of distance between yourself and your emotion before you really confront someone with a important conversation Uh, putting yourself in a place where you can listen to someone else, where you can control your own defensiveness or, you know, sit with your own defensiveness enough to hear someone else. Those are crucial skills to learn. So again, I wouldn't completely throw them in the trash, but this was feeling kind of like the third wave, the third stage in my development with anger, my relationship with anger, where I started to realize that all of those conflict resolution tools were often a trap for me because people can use, for example, you may have heard the term nonviolent communication. This is uh, a strategy or a way of talking that has become really popularized. There's a lot of groups on it. There's a book on it. And this strategy, I started to witness so many people use these tools in a way to one, look down upon other people who were not using these tools and invalidate them if they weren't expressing themselves in a way that was going by these self-help tools, which I am also absolutely guilty of, for sure. And B, started to witness people using these tools as a way to stamp down or hide the true anger that was behind it. It's possible to use a tool in a way that still creates harm or disconnection or inauthenticity. The goal of these tools is authenticity and 
communicating in a way that creates a space where everyone can be authentic in the moment. And we can still use some of these tools, co-opt them into our own passive aggressivity and use it as a way to not deal with our real emotions around anger in particular. And this is what I started to notice that I was doing and starting to take responsibility for that. And most importantly, I started to question the idea that this notion that we can communicate anger or should always communicate anger in a way that is calm, composed, peaceful, at ease, is A, just not always the reality of the situations that we're faced in in life when someone is really pushing a boundary, and B, is just rife with a bunch of conceptions around our emotions that are still trying to compartmentalize or trying to limit our true authentic feelings. And this is a really fine line, right? Because again, expressing our anger when we've only learned fearful anger or reactive anger and reactive anger that can be really harmful or violent emotionally or physically, when those are our only two models, it can be almost impossible to conceptualize anger that can be expressed and not violent. By violent, I don't just mean physically. I also mean emotionally harmful, controlling, manipulative, any of those things too. My old strategy for dealing with anger was under the assumption that I had to only process anger on my own, that I had to only process anger. I had to separate myself from the situation, keep calm within the situation, and then go off somewhere and process alone. And I started to realize that, again, that conceptualization of anger was a product of my conditioning. And again, that's not to say that that also isn't an important strategy. There are moments where it is better to take space, to notice that we might not be capable of having a grounded or emotionally vulnerable conversation with another person and therefore taking space might be the best option. Processing some stuff beforehand might be the best option. But again, if that's the only strategy that we ever use and we never allow ourselves to express anger in the moment to protect our boundaries in the moment, then that can be its own form of self-betrayal. Some of the things I've learned that anger and rage can be sacred, honorable signals of are the following. Anger and rage can be signals of old, old, old wounding. Sometimes when anger feels disproportionate to the experience that's coming up, and disproportionate is um, a subjective experience, right? So if you notice that your anger feels disproportionate to the experience that's happening at hand, it might be a signal of some old, old, old wounding. This can also include old, ancient, ancestral wounding too familial patterns that keep repeating itself, ancestral patterns that keep repeating itself, even if you might not have witnessed the origin or understand the origin of that ancestral experience. Anger and rage can be signals of immense overwhelm 
if you just don't have the safety in your body, the capacity in your body to handle what's happening in the moment, anger can tell you that you are overwhelmed. Anger and rage can also be a sign of a fractured off, unseen or unheard part of yourself that has not been able to get through to you consciously to express how that part of yourself really feels. Anger and rage can be a signal of resentment, of not having your needs met, of having broken boundaries, either boundaries broken by another person or boundaries broken through yourself, you breaking your own boundaries or not standing by your own boundaries or allowing yourself to repeatedly be put in the same situation where your boundaries are being broken. Anger and rage can be a signal of grief. It can be a signal of grief or shame or another emotion that really isn't uh, allowing, you're not allowing it to be revealed. Anger and rage can be a signal of an unexpressed inner child part of you that never got to really express that anger. It can also, of course, naturally the most obvious thing is that anger can be a signal that harm, violence, or abuse was inflicted, either in the moment that you're experiencing it or something that happened in the past. And anger and rage can also be a signal of someone attempting to control or manipulate you or perceiving a situation in that way. Again, the idea being that harm or violence doesn't just have to be physical. It can happen within the context of emotional harm or emotional violence as well. I'm sure there's much more to put on this list, but those are some of the things that I've found have been the origin of my anger and my rage. So how to healthily feel, express, understand anger? I mean, I can't give you a quick answer here and I don't necessarily even have it for myself, but I can say that one of the things that's really helped me work with anger is, again, to not compartmentalize my anger, not give myself only a certain space to experience or express anger, but to allow it to come up in different ways and different circumstances. Now, when I feel anger and I start to notice the somatic signals that my body is experiencing anger, I No matter what I'm doing, I don't wait until the end of the week when I'm in breath work or when I'm in therapy or when, you know, I have a a little bit of space to do it. I deal with it in the moment. I think of it like a child who is having a temper tantrum. That kid is not going to wait until Friday when it's Monday to deal with it. I, I treat it like a child that's raging out, having a temper tantrum. I ask myself, what needs are not being met right now? How can I meet some of those needs? I ask that anger how it wants to be expressed. And there can be many different ways. It can be through a scream. It can be through movement. It can be through creation and art. It can be through crying. It can be whatever it wants to be. And then I really, I really listen to that experience of anger. When I notice myself getting caught up in analysis, why am I feeling this way? Why am I doing this? Or this isn't fair. You shouldn't feel angry or no one did anything to you. Or, you know, when I catch myself getting into that mental pattern, I go back to the true experience, the true experience of the emotion itself. And most importantly, perhaps I don't make any, I put no thought 
towards action that's come that's going to come from it often we want to get rid of anger and so we think what do i do with this what do i do do i have to talk to the person do i have to do this do i have to calm myself down am i just hungry or hangry am i you know we try to make certainty out of the situation we want to know what to do with it and so i really make sure that i'm not mentally jumping towards that yet nor that i'm mentally jumping towards forgiveness compassion empathy that's another pattern of mine which i don't think is a terrible quality it's not a terrible quality to have but again if we jump to that before we actually allow the anger to be felt that can be a huge detriment to ourselves. And our subconscious really feels that. Our bodies really feel that when we jump too soon. And I also, lastly, again, perhaps even most importantly here, is I always ask, what's my responsibility here? Because our feelings are always our responsibility. doesn't mean that our feelings are always our fault. They don't happen in a vacuum. They happen in co-creation with the world and with other people. But what we do with our feelings absolutely is our responsibility. So I always ask myself, is there, am I angry at myself as well? Did I break my own boundary? How did I contribute to the situation? What's my responsibility to myself, to my anger, and then also to the relationship or the circumstance that it may have been triggered by. So I hope that some of these reflections and questions and stories were helpful to you. I hope that you can also really honor the message of your anger, the wisdom of your anger and your rage. There are plenty of other people who are talking about sacred anger and rage and working with those emotions in a really beautiful, amazing way. While I haven't been able to experience their teachings quite as deeply as I want to, I only have very light touch points with them at this moment in time. I'll still link their work down below. The two folks that I think talk about this topic quite beautifully are Lama Rod Owens and Dr. Jennifer Mullen. So I will link their websites below. I'm so grateful to you for being here. I also have something for you to take with you. It's a workbook and meditation bundle called Reclaiming All Parts of You. I created it as someone who really resonates with moving through a lot of shame, insecurity, and self-doubt to really tackle these issues so that you can stop hiding and feel free to express more of you. The link to that is in the description below. It's free. You can just sign up with your email. And if you loved this episode or this podcast, please let me know. I would love it if you left me a review on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you liked and how it supported you. And I love hearing from you in general. So if you have a question for me or want me to talk about a specific topic on this podcast, send me an email and let me know. Until next time.